esa musiquita, musiquita gets me going. Welcome to another episode of La Ventanita. I'm Carlos Frias, Miami Herald food editor, and over there, flipping through uh, the Wednesday section of the Miami Herald, is Amy Reyes. Is that Hi, I'm just reading this giant long article that you wrote. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty this meta right now. About uh, your favorite restaurants. Yeah. But look yeah, at look at how pretty you look, Carlos. I just want people on YouTube to see. Look at how cute Carlos feel looks like, on the cover. I feel of like I've lost a little weight from that photo. I was a little puffy. It, oh, it, this were was you? a year. This was a year ago. I was trying to be slimming, so that's why I'm wearing a dark shirt in that photo. But people at the podcast at home can't see that. Uh, they cannot that, see this picture. See Unfortunately, this. you know, you have to actually have a physical copy of the paper, or you can go to. Um, Go to Miami.com and find Carlos's recommendations for his favorite places to eat like a local. All right. So for people who don't know who that is, what that is, is uh, a couple years ago, you deserve credit for this because a couple years ago, you told me, hey, why don't you just put a list together of your favorite places? Because I always hated writing best of things like, oh, this is the best Cuban sandwich or this is the best thing. Because the truth is, I mean, if you're a literal person like I am, like, I feel like I would have to eat every Cuban sandwich in Miami right. to be able to say, like, <laughs> to, like, be able to justify that. But I could always talk about what my favorites were. And you right. were like, why don't you just give us a list? And it's a thing I've been working on for, you know, I, I updated, I take things off, I put things on for different reasons. And, and now that list is up to 70. So if people got uh, the physical paper on Wednesday, they got a full list of my current favorites in Miami. Um, but the cool part is, like, if you're listening to this days or weeks or months later uh, on the audio podcast, you can just you can get it on the Herald website, um, and it's online. It's sortable by um, by neighborhood, by price, by like oh, food type, everything. It's yeah, great because it's pretty cool. I, another one of the reasons why we had you do that was because you were the person that everybody in the newsroom would call and be like, "So I'm in Little Havana. Where should I go? Like, what what's the place?" You know, so. <laughs> Connie Ogle, <laughs> like Connie, be like, so I'm gonna be down in the Gables reviewing a theater Where show. Where should I go? Where should I like go? And I was, I think the original version I wrote was like, stop calling me, Connie. Stop calling me. Stop bothering me. Just <laughs> here, here. Bookmark this and get off my back. Yeah. So it, it was. It's actually fun to do. It's one of those things that. Um, it's a lot of places that I've written about over the years that I've, you know, I've just, you know, discovered or people that that know say, hey, you should try this place out. And I go and I ended up writing something about it if I really liked it and then kind of linked to it. So there's, again, in the online version, you can go and you can find out a lot of like background um, info about the place, which I think is, is pretty cool too, you know? And our audience would be glad to know that Kendall's well represented on your list. Oh my God. I think that you're like subliminal, subliminally uh, influencing me when it comes to that. I Although am. It's, it is kind of surprising though that a lot of new interesting places are are have some kind of Kendall ties to them, you know, some kind of like, because that's where the people live. It's the creative center of the universe. Perhaps. I want to be where the people live. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, and all right. What else do we got? Well, this is the final week of our croqueta poll. Oh my God. This is With the, the caveat, of my existence. This is not scientific. Oh my God. <laughs> the croqueta poll is down to the final two. And we now have cow bakery and this little spot in Coral Gables called Well Made. Those well are the fed. two that are competing. Try again, Well Fed. It, a place Deagle. that none of well, us. A place yeah, that none of us really have ever heard, heard of. Because it. it's like it's Cow Bakery's bots versus Well Fed's bots. Well Fed, yeah, not Well Made. Sorry, I mean. Beep, boop, boop, beep, boop. 
Well, I feel like Well Fed and Cal Bakery are competing for like the best refresh button on the. <laughs> <laughs> who's got Who's got the most refresh buttons? Oh man. Anyway, all right. So um, that's all well and good, um, but I think the reason people want to hear from us today is because of our guest, and our guest today is Matt Kusher. So Matt is fascinating because he has a gift. Even though he's not from Miami, he has this ability to grab Miami culture out of the air and he injects it into his restaurants and hidden bars. And there's always a hidden bar with Matt's restaurants. Um, and when the owners of the iconic Brickle Dive Bar, uh, Brickle Bar Tobacco Road, wanted to recreate the original vibe in a totally new location, they brought Matt on as a partner. Uh, they gave him all access to all their memorabilia and he totally nailed it. Like he nailed like the vibe even though he put up a sign that says uh this this shit ain't the real tobacco road bro <laughs> and i thought it was like a great like tip so he created a huerta mecalo and hialeah spider-man themed bathrooms in a in his hialeah restaurant uh, uh kush by uh steven's deli uh he recreated that mural on a 995 of uh don bailey the carpet king and in only his skivvies and did you know over the years they painted they painted shorts onto that? Like that guy used to be like just covering his nether regions. It used to be regions. like a thong? Yes. And they covered – no, no, nothing. Nothing. He, his hands covered his, his, his uh, nether regions strategically. And they painted wow. a little bikini over him. That's like anyway, Miami's David. Yes. So he worked that into a, a bar um, over at the Gold Dust um, in Mimo District. And it's like he's got all those things. And yet – He's this Puerto Rican Jewish kid from Maryland. Like, how did that happen that he, like, fell in love with the 305? So we're going to ask him, what's up, Matt? How are you, bro? Kush, kush in the bush. We're here. We're live. <laughs> I didn't know if I was in or not. You're yeah, in you're now. Here. You're in oh, now. Okay. Right, Oye, so uh, where are you coming to us from? I see some I see some, some craft beer behind you. I nope. see some wallpaper. I see some wallpaper. I'm Vicky's. That wallpaper was in Food & Wine magazine as uh, one of the greatest wallpapers of the year in 2019. That's Vicky's, but it's actually – the cool thing about it was it's an actual just recreation of my mom's wallpaper when I was growing up. So um, that was even cooler that my mom got her wallpaper in Food & Wine magazine. Wait, wait. So you, you – uh, first of all, tell us about – because folks who don't have that backstory, tell us about the place that you're in and what you created there. So I'm sitting in Vicky's house, and it's basically just uh, my mom's kitchen in 1986. And my mom is somewhat of a hoarder, which is amazing when you're opening a lot of restaurants. And uh, so she kept a lot of the stuff that I could use here. So I just took the linoleum floor, linoleum floor and the wallpaper. She had chandeliers and then all my photos and all the other random stuff we had. So I recreated it authentically to the era. So, oh, wow. It's and you cool if you haven't so been. You, and this is like a milkshake bar that you created. First, it was totally secret. It was like an opaque window and it looked like there were some garbage cans next door to yeah. your, to your like <laughs> iconic burger place, which is locale, your burger and beer place. And it's yeah. got this awesome entrance. Tell us about the, like the secret entrance between the burger place and Vicky's. Vicky's, uh, yeah, well, originally, uh, it was like just a foreign sign in the fronts. I don't think coconut Grove was ready for like a ice cream speakeasy. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, that didn't work. People were like calling the foreign sign. And if you actually called the foreign sign, it was actually a hall and Oates hotline asking you for your favorite hall and Oates song. So <laughs> it was like next levels of cool. You're right. Nobody really touch. got it. I'm um, out of time. 
but you but gotta... if you go to locale we have the uh the phone booth from bill and ted's excellent adventure because my, my buddy uh my boy camilo who did the wallpaper and the phone booth um he recreated bill and ted's uh, phone booth so you have to walk through time so when you go through there you're basically now in 1986. so this is 1986 maryland what what city in maryland are you from I hate to say Maryland because I am from Maryland, but I'm really from D.C., uh, the suburbs. I'm from the DMV. So when people say Maryland's uh, like some I was doing an FIU lecture yesterday and this lady was like, oh, I'm from Maryland. I'm from Baltimore. And I was like, that's like saying you're from Boy- Boca and I'm from Miami. It's two different right. ones. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm from like Rockville, Maryland, outside of Washington, D.C., Moco County. If you know about Moco sandwiches, we give them out. Oh, OK. Right on. So yeah. so like what? So what brought you to Miami originally? Like, what's the thing that brought you here? And, 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 and obviously Miami kept you here, but what's the thing that brought you here? So uh, I went to University of Arizona my freshman year of college. Uh, if you, uh, fun fact, if you go on uh, Sports Center, there's like a go-to clip when they won the national championship that I'm flipping over a cop car that for some reason that only has my <laughs> face on it. And it showed it like 20 years. But make a long story short, I didn't do too well that year. And uh, after I left Arizona, I was kind of had that moment where I looked at myself in the mirror and was like, uh, what are you going to do with your life? Or are you going to just, you know, be a loser and flunk out of school or are you going to do something? And uh, luckily, my dad knew somebody at FIU uh, Hospitality in North, Cam- in North Miami. And uh, I went to FIU Hospitality and it changed my life. Wow. Wow. No, I mean, that's like really that's that's putting a putting a pretty fine point on it. Now the hospitality background, you you obviously own like what basically nine different establishments in South Florida, right? Is that number right, more or less? Honestly, I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's probably eight. It's we have so a couple many. other random. So I'm many. so I don't know if I count I'm or not. so rich and well known. I don't even know how many Counting I have. Counting money off. Not even yeah. that. I just don't know where you count where the count goes, and I got a couple things in the works that I don't sure. know if I should count yet, and I don't even know. But but so your dad but you have hospitality and background so like your grandfather yeah. tell us about your your grandfather who had a a cool deli and your uh, a cool deli a deli and your dad was like uh he was a Dunkin' Donuts franchisee right so yeah so my my grandfather owned bars and restaurants in Brooklyn um and you know they were like mobbed up bars my my you know my my grandfather was the Apple Wise guy and uh, you know my dad uh, ended up opening a Dunkin' Donuts in the 80s. That was like back when it was time to make the donuts and you actually, you know, had to go and bake the donuts, not like what it is now where there's like one per town and it's an actual like counter and a diner vibe and all that. So I grew up at a Dunkin' Donuts at seven years old at the register making donuts, doing all that thing, um, which is why I hated donuts for many, many years. Uh, <laughs> that, smell, then, uh, that smell of fried donut was probably oh, in your, yeah, every shirt you owned. Couldn't do it. The, the joke was that uh, I only could eat donuts if you put a burger in between it which is why we did a burger here like that because it was the only way my brother and sister could get me to eat a donut because i just i hated it for so long now i love them but um bro i'm not even gonna my grandfather moved to i'm sorry no no i was gonna say i'm not even gonna front when i was a kid my parents like one of like our little outings is my parents weren't restaurant people like they didn't you know like our restaurants were ihop uh this one little place in hialeah that i wrote about uh that no longer exists called asturias and uh, and Dunkin' Donuts, a Donkidona, a Donkidona. <laughs> so we go to a Donkidona, and they would have a donut and coffee, and I would have a donut, and like that's where I learned. That's my the first place where I ever had like American bean water, dirty bean water coffee. Oh, and, I love but, it. But but with plenty of that cream, bro, that Dunkin' Donuts coffee is forget it. Yeah, it's I was about it. to say, don't hate exactly on Dunkin' Donuts coffee. 
Like, if it you're going to drink yeah. American coffee, Dunkin', you can't go worse than Dunkin'. Oh, it's I mean, too bad. That's cool. If I, if I give you a little tour right now of Vicky's house, like, I have my mom's diploma from 1982 from Dunkin' Donut University because they actually <laughs> made you go to, you know, a university for it. So I actually have it in the corner over there. That's awesome. Um, and we have a lot of 80s Dunkin' Donut memorabilia. But anyways, my grandfather moved to Florida, and um, he opened up delis up in, like, uh, Tamarack and Broward Plantation. Yep. And uh, so I spent like every Passover, every spring break, uh, basically in his deli. Um, and when I recreated uh, Stevens and Cushed by Stevens, I took a copy of his old menu and made that our menu. And funny, fun fact is when you look at the back of it, even though it was in Broward, it said Made in Hialeah, the menu, which is just the wow. gods talking. Oh, my God. That's amazing. That's, that's such amazing. a little that's such a real life Easter egg, man. So yeah, what right. was the first what was the first place you ever opened in Miami? Yeah, so I'm sitting in at Locale. We opened in 2011 at Christmas Eve. And uh, what was the Grove like some... in 2011? So if you want to hear the inspiration of my uh, my drive. So back then it was Green Street and then George's. And then when George's stopped, there was nothing on this side of the block. So I remember running into one of my old regulars in my old job. And I was like, oh, all, all excited. I'm like, hey, I'm opening a place on the corner. And I pointed to where Locale was. And he's like, man, that's not really a good spot. You're kind of, you know, in a bad neighborhood there. And I'm like, okay, thanks. Like, you know, I, I was super, you know, scared and annoyed at what this guy was telling me. You know, fast forward 10 years, there's literally seven restaurants on this half of a block that I was on. So it was definitely a different vibe. But Matt, that's that's been don't don't give yourself give yourself a little more credit because you've always been really good and I don't know if that comes from your dad or your family like background but like you've always been really good at sniffing out a place before it gets cool like really yeah, it's getting cheap <laughs> that's, that's, that's the secret the secret to to being yeah. cool is to also be cheap. Not, not having money and then being cheap afterwards and not want to lose your money and then the desire to make your landlords rich and that's that's you know I love doing that because they've <laughs> been doing that over the years many times. Oh my god, that's so funny! And your place was the very first spot. I think what people really loved about it is that it was ostensibly simple. It was beers and burgers, but the burgers are all like grass-fed beef, and the beers were all crap beers from. When Miami did not have breweries, it had like Winwood Brewery, I think maybe. And no, no, that's no, it? Winwood, no. Not even the only Winwood one Brewery? we had was uh, Schnebly in, uh, down in Homestead. That don't count. That and don't then, count. yeah, then well, and I then mean, we it had counts, but Cuesta in uh, in Jupiter. TBC, um, yeah. Fran and, Fran Andrelovich, who's a who's a, a a craft beer kind of uh, pioneer. It was Matt. Well, Matt was the brewer. I think I don't know. Oh yeah, his partner Cuesta. Matt. Yeah. I mean, that's who I knew, at least. And then, uh, you know, in Cigar City in Tampa, that was it. I mean, there was and maybe like Florida Lager, which was a, you know, contract beer or whatever it was. There was no Florida beers. If you, um, you know, and I credit David Rodriguez, who open, you know owns Union. Uh, he was really the backbone for the beer force here. Um, every kind of major beer that started in Miami poured their first beer here at Cush. I mean, you can go from Wakefield to Wynwood to Funky Buddha to uh, Tank to MIA. I mean, they all poured them here. Um, so we were really a launching pad. You know, if you look at our first like home brewer festivals, literally it's the biggest breweries in Miami were the ones pouring at our home beer festivals. So it was really cool. So you, you had this concept that again was real simple, but it was the idea of like trying to bring something uh, a little bit more complex, a little bit better, frankly, you know, but you, your, your concepts took a, like 
things escalated quickly, like where this idea <laughs> where you started embracing kind of Miami culture and you started putting little flavors of of Spanglishness and, uh, you know, Miami-ness and like kind of like that that pan Latin American feel, you know, stuff that felt very Miami. What was the first place you did something like that to and what was like the the thing that, that you remember adding Oof. to it? Um you know, my mom's Puerto Rican, so I guess this probably started with just some Puerto Rican touches. You know, when we first opened Locale, um, Medalla, which is like a beer in Puerto Rico, they didn't serve it here, so they didn't sell it here. So I used to bring some from Puerto Rico, and since we were a craft beer bar, we would never serve, like, a shitty beer, so I wouldn't have it on the menu. But if you were Puerto Rican, I would have some behind the bar, and I would hide, and I just when I saw that I noticed you were Puerto Rican, I would just put a Medalla right in front of you, wouldn't charge you, just put it on there. And that That's was kind of nice. like one of the first things I did. Just like if you know, you know, and if you don't, you know, you don't need to know. That's oh, not that's necessarily cool. a Miami thing, but it is for some of us. That's very cool. That's very cool. I, I when I think of the the Miami thing, like the one that stands out, the really it's like the most iconic thing that you created is um, all your restaurants have like this hidden bar. So like Vicky's, Vicky's is a milkshake place, but you know you can also they have you got a washing machine full of beer. So like next to it, where you open up a flat washing machine and there's beer in there. But the little bar that you made uh, outside of um, Kush in in Hialeah. So you took for folks who don't know, you took you took uh, uh, the deli, which had been there for I think 54 years when you bought it, something like 1954 that. is when it opened. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, it opened in 1954, and and it had been closed for a little bit, or it had it. I think maybe it was closed. No, it for never closed. Oh, it never closed. No, it never you just closed. took it, it over. Just, and... It was just dying. It was hmm. slowly dying, and uh, I used to go there, and I used to love it, and I used to talk to the owner, and I'd be like. Can I help you? Because I didn't want to see it die. I mean, I, delis are no longer, they don't even exist anymore. You know, there's bagel bars in places, which is great, but it's not mm -hmm. a deli. Um, and I didn't want to see it die. And so I, that conversation was like, hey, can I help you? Like, let's do something. And um, he was interested in that. He was actually at the moment talking to someone else about possibly doing it. And when I was talking to him, I was like, let, let's, you're not going to be able to do this. Let's just become partners. And then that just turned into, let me just buy it and do it myself because it ain't going to work, um, which is what I did. And that was really a passion project. I really, you know, that one doesn't make money in the way that, a, you know, a business should, but I didn't want to see it die and I love it. And I am going to bleed that thing till I die. I love it. <laughs> and, and so it so hasn't, like, do you think that Hialeah has the potential to become like a destination the way Wynwood is? No, uh, it does. Like, since it, they're it doing all doing this good. investment. It was doing good. But when COVID came, that got hit the hardest uh, because that neighborhood is not really my clientele. We're in Coconut Grove. You know, there's a little bit of uh, wealth here and they can get Uber Eats and whatnot uh, and they'd come and visit where Hialeah, they don't they're not ready for a $15 sandwich in my in my part of Hialeah. See, the thing is, when I say Hialeah, I'm next to the airport. I'm in East Hialeah. So people think it's far away. But the reality is I live in Coral Gables and I'm closer to Hialeah than I am to Coconut Grove, to at least to my restaurant Hialeah. So um, that's a big uh, thing I got to like uh, help and, and educate people on. See, but Amy, he's he's ahead of the curve again because, mm -hmm. like, we just the Herald just did a huge takeout about uh, what is it, Factory, Factory Town. Town. So, Average yeah. Jane, who's one of the big, you know, the big uh, developers, uh, micro developers, I guess you could call her, in uh, in like Mimo, like she redid the Vagabond. She bought this big area that's now like a big music venue. They're turning into a music venue, probably like what a mile south of you, if that. Yeah, it's very close. It's four. Yeah. It's like four minutes. Yeah. Again, he's like he's like I'm I'm always impressed by that. He's always ahead of the curve on it. Like I remember thinking, people in Hialeah will like this because this is different. It's not another Cuban restaurant, which I love Cuban restaurants. It's not another Nicaraguan place. It's not a Colombian place. It's just like a cool 
pardon the term, hipster place. It's like a cool younger person's place. And then you did this cool bar in the back, which is like a tribute to all Hialeah things. Like it's got the huge a recre- sign a, and- yes, a recreation of the Nyo Que Barato sign. It's got um, who's this judge playing on loop? Maria Polo. Uh, Caso Cerrado. Uh, Caso Cerrado. Come Hold on. A second. Uh-huh. Oh, hello. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh no, oh, this, yeah. is, this is okay. just this is not a person in a in a in a goat uh, mask pouring. I'm just uh, getting my cafecito. Water. He's just Thank getting you. his oh, coffee. It, I mean, that's just the thing that happens. I mean, that happens in my house too. It's fine. I it's thought okay. after Zach last week that was part of the show that we're supposed to. Just <laughs> yeah, bring, no, it's it's uh, kind of mandatory. Animal creatures. It's so mandatory. Like you know what? Start this now. That really moved it to a next level, and I I think you really just I think you raised the game there, man. He did elevate this. I think you Whoever's took it up next, level. you better come up with something. You're on. You're on the I'm block. saying. That is, yeah, you can't be lame. Matt, Zach's I, you know, a trendsetter, and I'll bring it to the next level, you know? <laughs> Bro, I will start reading emails from your mom. Thank we thou. Thank we thou. <laughs> She'll send them, too. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but no, nobody goes to La Cocina in, uh, in Hialeah and does not think that I wasn't born and raised in Hialeah. I am. Uh, I went to the extent to really get the authenticity that it's not a Cuban bar, it's not a Miami bar, but it's a Hialeah bar. So, you know, like uh, Maria Polo, they filmed Casa Saralo in Hialeah. If you watch the loop of, you know, the TV that we have, it's either Casa Saralo or Hialeah Spider-Man or, you know, whatever, random stuff. The Cajachina, obviously, from Hialeah, so that's the wall. The racetrack, we took a lot of stuff from that. Uh, so it's really just, you know, Hialeah pride to the die. So, so why was that important to you to do something like that, to, to, to have that represented versus just doing a cush? I mean, you did a cush in Wynwood. You could have just done a cush here. You know, why was that important sure. to, for you to do that? Probably because I'm a, a bad businessman in that sense, but I'm also <laughs> a artist at heart, I guess. You know, creatively, I just I, I constantly need new things to I mean, I have a closet of 20 restaurants that I'm ne- probably never going to open, like just 20 different concepts ready to go in case it comes. So I have playlists, I have designs, I have menus, I have everything ready. Ooh, what's so the I weirdest one? Can you tell us your weirdest concept? Um, well, not the weirdest, but the most unique. Uh, I was approached recently, and we haven't finalized this, so it's not. Um, I don't want to put it in the books 100%. But uh, there was actually an HIV clinic, a prevention center that's in South Beach that asked me to design their place. Um, which to me was like the highest honor you could possibly have because I consider myself, I design all my own places. At this level, I consider myself a designer. So someone to notice that, to say, hey, I don't want a sterile environment. I want something that's kind of fun and positive and reach out to me was amazing. And then I never really thought of like opening up a gay bar or a gay scenario. And so that opened up all these windows that I can dig into to how to design something that's kind of 98% predominantly gay men to design that and i did and i found amazing things i found gay he-man and i found uh, cool things that uh, i love and super excited for so i hope it comes to fruition but that's still kind of that just like recently happened i I think gay gay he-man is almost uh is almost redundant to say because (laughs) because he-man was was homoerotic for sure like that that yeah but i actually found a gay he-man toy on his horse uh all dressed up so i actually found the prop wait but he rode a he rode a cat Matt finds the I have the cat as well. I have both. <laughs> I have He-Man and the cat. I'll send you a picture later. But it's then amazing. he had this kind of like weird, like incestuous thing with She-Ra too. So I don't know. Oh, I don't yeah. know. I think I think I He-Man I swings know. both ways. Yeah, He-Man. He-Man. <laughs> He-Man was an icon of uh, of bisexuality. Of uh, I, I, <laughs> he was before his time. He really publicly. was, but or no? I think I think somebody in that show was like, if you know, you know. You know, like you know. I think yeah. if you're in the if you're in the audience, you're like, oh. 
This yeah, is he really just wanted. He like, just really wanted Skeletor to touch him. That's I mean that in an earnest way. I think people like in the audience were like, I think that there was somebody who was like, you know, this is like I am seen here in a very like, if you know, you know, kind of way in a in a medalla on the counter kind of way. <laughs> yeah. But to answer your question, the smart thing to do is to cookie cutter your concept that's a winner and just do that a hundred times. Uh, to me, I don't want to be in a computer behind the scenes staring at uh, financials all day long. I want to be in the mix. I want to be, you know, part of it. I want to design and develop and be I want my my employees to be excited. So when they go from one restaurant to the other, they're in a totally different place. It's not like I'm at a McDonald's and here's another McDonald's and here's another it's the same crap over and over again. No, I want them all to be authentic. And um, probably, again, not the best. The smart business move is to just copycat it, which is why there's 100 McDonald's on every block. But this is a lot more fun. I, I like that um, when, you, when you took over the Stevens Deli, there was a guy there, uh, Junior Biggers. Um, uh, did I get his name right, Junior Biggers? Yeah, yeah, Henderson yeah. Biggers, yeah. Henderson, Henderson Biggers. Biggers. Uh, he'd been there for 60 years, like, and, and I mean, you don't have him, like, slaving, like, 10-hour days. Like, he's almost like a mentor, right? Like where he No, would... no, he works. Oh, he does? He works hard. Bro, oh, give yeah. that guy a re actually, un retiro a ese tipo, dude. Give, no, let no, that guy no, retire, no. I've bro. I've offered him money to sit on the bar stool and talk to guests. If you try to take that 150-pound meat grinder from him, when he lifts it up, he'll knock you on the floor. He is not, he does not play. He still works harder than anybody else in this company. He's amazing. Yeah, Junior is also like uh, he's like six three, right? Like six, like as I yeah. or maybe he just seemed that big when I met him. Like he was this towering man from from like that. East of East of East Hialeah, which is uh almost is a black neighborhood. It's not quite Brown. No, no, he's from Alabama. No, no, no. But I mean, he lived. But he lived. Uh, like he lives in that area. That's more like Black Miami, like right to the east. And he'd worked there for forever, forever. Yeah, he's worked there since 1957, and he's obviously the reason why we never stopped hand slicing the pastrami and corned beef, which is the lost art that very, very few places still do. Which is what makes. Cush by Steven so specials because you're getting a hand slice pastrami and corned beef. If he was never there, that would have been lost because it doesn't make sense financially or labor wise to still do it. But it's amazing. It's a totally different product that tastes awesome and uh, it's old school. It's like Katz's Deli. It's not, not not many other places do it. We actually, you know, one of our employees named Pedro uh, came up uh, with uh, the South Beach Shark Club. It's a documentary that was in the Miami Film Festival, and he's doing a little. Uh, video of Junior and he followed him around and we're still kind of waiting for that to come to fruition but we're doing a little kind of small mock video of Junior so be ready for that when that comes that's awesome I'm down for that so uh, I, I don't with with you being out and about town maybe that's how you befriended this South Florida superhero there's a guy that that like somehow like I, I you know I see that he kind of like he shows up at a lot of locations His name is Captain Cush He's this yeah. character that that looks yeah there he is on the screen. He's this guy in his kind of like a weed man outfit, and yeah. uh, and he's kind of inscrutable behind this green mask and green leotard with a a big uh, with a big marijuana what leaf on his chest. What is this man's superpower? Because he yeah. has. <laughs> oh God! That's how, that's, how, that's Halloween, uh, Captain Cook. <laughs> um, so what is what is your association with this man? Uh, yeah, what's his yeah, superpower? His, his superpower is finding secret gems in Miami. Um, you know, his backstory, if you, if you go to the front of Winwood, Cush and Winwood, there's a whole backstory of how he became Captain Cush. But the basic long story short, he lost all his powers. And the only way he can get his powers is by proving to the city of Miami that everybody knows that this is the greatest city in the world. And so by doing that, he goes to all the best places in Miami so that everybody can say, hey, we live in the greatest place in the world. 
He's not allowed to go past Broward. Uh, I mean, to, through Broward. So um, his, it's really a Dade his County His powers thing. will weaken he, if he, he crosses loses the his, line. He loses his power loses if he crosses the The blunted bandit stole his powers. and uh, You know where he should come, where his powers will be fortified. You know, they will come together. He should come to Kendall. The kingdom Kendall. of Kendall. I heard you like Kendall a lot. <laughs> Bro, she loves she she goes so hard for Kendall. I I've never I'm seen sorry. anything like Everybody it. Everybody that you invite to this podcast always has some Kendall connection, and it's just my job to like bring it up. You kind of have to bear yeah. with it, bro. I'm I'm very sorry about it. I love Kendall. <laughs> I feel like Falco is the mayor of Kendall. I feel like maybe or Eileen or Falco. I don't know. There's a bunch of mayors of Kendall. You got yeah. a lot of ambassadors for Kendall. Eileen Eileen might be the mayor of Kendall. She might yeah, be the yeah, young maybe. mayor of Kendall. Eileen yeah, I Andrade think Honsinka. I think she's a good representative. Yeah, she definitely she she reps it pretty hard. So, so like, but what, so what is it that made you fall in love with Miami? Is it because like the place, is it the place where you found your footing? Like you found like your, the ability to kind of express yourself and like, to... uh, you know, to be honest with you, you know, I grew up, uh, like I said, in DC, DC is very conservative. Um, I love my childhood. I love where I grew up. I love my friends. I love crabs. My favorite thing in the world is to sit there for four hours with my buddies and eat crabs. Hmm. Um, but Washington's a very like conservative strict town oh, you go to a stop sign you better stop look both ways wait three seconds and then go and that was never me um i also like diversity i like being around you know a, a million different cultures and uh there's not many cities in this country that have that you know there are some obviously but miami is the most unique in that and the fact that i'm puerto rican and you know jewish obviously those are big cultures in this city so i always i always felt home at miami uh, and i think because I'm not from here. I notice a lot of things that people take for granted or maybe look over and don't appreciate or just don't realize it's cool and different because they're just used to seeing it every day. But for me, you know, to see a lizard running around is still cool to me because I didn't grow up with lizards running around my house. And um, luckily and fortunately, because of my job, I get to drive from Hialeah through Upalaka to North Miami to Wynwood to Brickell to the Grove. So I get to see all of Miami all the time. And I really get to see the beauty of, uh, of what it is. And because Miami has its own language, and to be honest with you, this is like a big debate, you know, with all these New Yorkers and other people coming to Miami, they don't know the language of Miami. They think Miami is what you see on TV, but there is a language in Miami and not many cities have their own language. I feel like I'm a translator of that language through my restaurants. And that's kind of my goal is like, when you go into white places, I want you to know, this is not gonna be in LA or New York or Tokyo or my, you know, it's only in Miami. And I, that's my, you know, official job description is I feel like I'm the translator of the Miami language. I like that. What, what lesson have you had to teach these New Yorkers the most? Like, what, oh, what are you oh, encountering? Oh, uh, I mean, it's, it it's, 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 it's just get off the beach or, or, you know, get off of, you know, just, just venture in. Um, I, I'm not into teaching lessons. I'm, I'm into translating. If people don't want to learn, you know, don't want to take the time to educate themselves, I can only do so much. If they come through our restaurant, that's the first step. And, you know, obviously there's other ones like mine that, that do the same thing. But, uh, yeah. Matt, that's what is, another what, job for someone else. As a guy who gets it, what was your impression when you heard about this place that wanted to open the 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 Cuban place that was inspired by Fidel Castro and Che Guevara? Like, what was oh, your God. as a guy who works to get it to understand so, it? Yeah, yeah. So, like, um, just, just I, I'm trying to open a <laughs> restaurant. I don't even know how to start that. Like, like, just how can you be so dumb and lazy? Basically, lazy. Like yeah. you're going to open a restaurant in a city and you're not going to just open your eyes to say, Hey, what is this city about? You just think you're that powerful that you can just open anywhere. And that's it. Like have some, 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 some compassion, some care. 
you know, I opened, I was, I was talking about opening a restaurant in New Orleans. It's not, you know, hundred percent, but I was doing the research for it. And when I was in New Orleans, I knew similar to Miami, New Orleans has its own language and their own pride and their own culture. And I came up with a cocktail list, a menu, this all stuff. And I went to every storefront and gave them the names of like my cocktails and what I was going to do and the garnishes. And I was like, am I from New Orleans or not? And every single person was like, you're from New Orleans, you're from New Orleans, you're from New Orleans. And that's all I wanted. And I don't want to be from New Orleans, but I want them to feel like, hey, I'm embracing. I'm not just coming to your city and shitting on it and say, hey, here's my money. No, I want to be part of the neighborhood and part of the community and, and add something to it. You're not adding something to it if you're coming here and putting a bullshit, you know, Cuban restaurant with Fidel Castro and Chagarada. You're not really adding it. You're shitting on it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, so no, to I, answer it, your question, I hate it. <laughs> you know, I got into a fight. You know, I, I got into a fight with New Orleans because there's a there's a bar in New Orleans. It's a Cuban bar, and I was there around uh, you know July of the summer when everything was getting hot, mm-hmm. and uh, they didn't even have like a Cuban like an SOS or anything. And you know, remember back then in Miami, it was it was really caliente. And I went up to the owner. I was like, hey man, you know this it's kind of hot right now. You should probably put like an SOS. I mean, I'm sure no one cares, but for the five percent of people that know what's going on, like. You're a Cuban bar in New Orleans, you know. You look like you're something. not paying attention. Yeah, you're like, what, what? Come on, and he's like, you know, we don't get involved in politics, and I'm like, I don't think that's politics. That's pretty yeah, much 100 percent to zero percent. I mean, I don't know anybody that's pro Castro in this country, and if they are, who gives a fuck? So um, I got into a fight, and and it it, it kind of pissed me off, to be honest with you. And I'm not even Cuban. Yeah, you is that. Is that a lesson you learned when you got to Miami? Like you start picking that up about like the the community and the background, going to school at FIU and that kind of thing. No, I mean, listen, I, I was a Puerto Rican kid, and I don't look Puerto Rican. And in my neighborhood, you know, I was the Spanish kid, which basically says I'm Mexican. I'm El Salvador. They didn't know the difference between Puerto Rico, Cuba, Mexico, or anything. Yeah. So uh, I, you know, I, I I educated a lot of people along the way, kind of the differences and what that is. So I've always felt like I've kind of understood and grasped that. Oh, yeah. So be, before I forget, Amy has been dying to ask you about your fit life because she is now <laughs> she is now like in the last three years, I saw her go from like she started doing sprint tries and she started running and she started biking and now she's doing like marathon or half marathons. So and you're, you've fallen into this train recently, too. You're you got a fit life. Tell, tell yeah. Me talk to it. me about your fit life. I don't know if it's a fit life, but, you know, I hit a certain age and I was like. You know, I want to test myself. Honestly, I mean, I'm sure you know Jenny Lee Molina. I yeah. saw her that she was uh, involved with this place called Full Circle, and uh, I with saw. Aaron. It, I was like, yeah, with Aaron, and that's who I do it with, and she's great, amazing, and uh, so I just started doing it just to kind of test myself, and then I did one, and then I did another one, and I'm doing another one in May, and I'm kind of just going through the motions and doing it just to kind of. It's not a fit life. It's just me trying to test myself and push myself to different limits. Nice. What kind of bike do you have? Well, here's the thing. It's like I hate swimming, I hate biking, and I hate riding. So I don't hate them enough that I can do one, and then the next day I can do another one. It's not that bad. So to answer your question, uh, Aaron actually hooked me up with some guy that bought a new bike and like lent me his bike, and I've been using his Lent bike. So uh, oh, okay. he's been nice enough to, uh, <laughs> to to let me pay him off in gift cards to, <laughs> oh. to to use the bike, and I'm trying to <laughs> trying to get it from him now. Nice. So good. you're gonna do the 305 try? Is that the one you're doing over in Crandon? The one in Key Biscayne, right? Yeah. Is that the 305? Yeah, I'm going to do that one in May. And then I'm going to try to do one in France in June, actually. Ooh. Ooh la la. Yeah, I got up. My buddy and I kind of decided to do it together, and he came. He lives in Brooklyn. He came to Miami to do it with me last one. And so we're like, screw it. Let's do it in uh, one in Europe and just kind of travel for it. Make a trip out of it. I might do do my first 70.3 in Augusta in September, 
But I have um, all this running is messing up my hips. So, like, I have to, like, decide whether That's or not. That's why the try is good. You don't run. You run, and then you bike, and then you swim, and then you run. Yeah, yeah. So you don't, you, you kind of break so much, things too up. Too much of anything is never good. Agreed. Tell me the Too truth, much running when, is always the worst. When you jump yeah, in the yeah. when you jump in the water, though, and they're like, go swim for a mile. The, yeah. For me, the swim is the scariest part. Like By far. The bike, you could just stop pedaling. Run, you yeah, can and just the run, you can walk. Running. If you no, stop swimming, is- you're at the bottom of Biscayne Bay. You're dead. Yeah, the swimming's tough, especially in the ocean because if you're sucking down salt water, uh, that, that and where is not we have fun. to train, which is basically a toilet. That's right. Yeah. That's right. All the all the, uh, the those red flag warnings when the when there's too many bacteria <laughs> no, the in the water. The worst alerts. part was uh, I was doing my training in you know in Key Biscayne in the ocean, and then I just watched that movie I was telling you about from my employee Pedro uh, from the South Beach Shark Club. So now I'm swimming, and they're telling me how many sharks are in the water, and I'm just watching this documentary, and I'm like. I'm just trying to get the hell out. Please don't tell me. Uh, ignorance yeah, is so bliss. I wanna, no, yeah, I didn't want to know. Just give me like the – I'll take the bike. Why don't they do a biathlon? I would do the bike and the run. They do. Bike they and, do. You can do They you do. do you, that's a duathlon. Duel. All right. I'm you, like, could, you could – okay, what you got to do, Carlos, is you run a mile. Then you get on the bike for like 10 or 12, depending. And then you do a 5K. You could totally do that. I could do you that. You could do it, Carlos. She's trying, trying to, to trying to get you into this fit She's life, Carlos. To get Listen, me this fit you life. can always walk. Oh, oh look at him. Mila, Where's the Puerto Rican right flag? Now. Yeah, I had the Puerto Rican flag in the background. Of that yeah, one. bro. I know we couldn't. They I think cut we it out. Get that. We can only get that square. Yeah, it was a. You guys was, are like the same haters that hate Placita, cutting out the Puerto Rican flag. Oh, over here, that's know? messed up. That is messed up. What is going to happen with that? I they apparently they voted against it, whatever. But I still see it up there, and that's too. That was a that was a whole mission. You'll have to ask Mendine next. He'll be your next guest. You'll continue about to that. Have, I need to have Mendine on. Who <laughs> Ooh, do you want to have? I bet you, I bet you he's going to come up with somebody casts. in a really weird mask. So you yeah. and you and Mendine and Zach and uh, and Beltran are like the are the Entourage season six album cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I disagree with Zach. I, th- I think it should be a TV show. It is. It is funny. Right. It's, it's a sight funny. To see. Yeah. No, it's a it's sight funny. to see. It's funny. I think we should bring more the, different. The we couldn't be and more fun. We couldn't have. We got, we got to bring the writing staff together. Oh yeah, I watched with, that show. Yeah, with everything you have going on, do you ever do, do you ever cook at home? Like, do you do like a never, a thing? never, never, so, never? So what do you eat? How do you eat? Do you order? Even out? if I cook at home, if I like barbecue or something, I have like my Argentinian friend does like as a silo. He comes and cooks at my house and uses my stuff. I I never cook. My wife cooks, I guess, but. Um, you know what? Since I've been kind of doing this triathlon, I'm just eating so healthy now that I'm just there. It is. There it is. Oh, look at that. Uh, that's our that's our, our produce technical producer Pierre Taylor, who uh, and our director who <laughs> he hooked who you comes up. Through, he got he the, comes whole, the, pinch, the whole the whole look. Which race was that? That was in um, the Homestead Racetrack. Yeah. Oh, you awesome. did? Did you do it this year or last year? No, just now, like last month. Oh, okay. You did. What's it called? Clash. Clash, yeah, Clash. Yeah, idea. that was a fun yeah, one. Yeah, don't talk was... to me like I know what I'm talking about. I don't know what I'm – I mean, I'm doing them, but I'm not paying attention. <laughs> He's been doing this for five minutes, Amy. Stuff. He's been doing this yeah. for five – don't shame him into buying him a, an $8,000 bike or something. Even if I was doing I'm it for saying. a long time, I still wouldn't know what's going on. Ete, oye, Kush, you know that uh, you know that we, we put everybody on the spot. We force them to play a little Kiss, Mary Kill with food. Okay. So, so we're going to ask you to play a little Kiss, Mary Kill, and since you like to keep it 305, we're going to keep it just – Straight 305. So, Kiss, Mary, Kill, Cafecito, Pastelito, Croqueta. You got a Kiss, Mary, Kill. What are you, what are you doing? Hmm. Uh, um, I'm going to marry my Cafecito because I want to spend the rest of my life drinking Cafecitos. Nice. Um, Good choice. Yeah. 
croqueta or pastelito. I mean, pastelito is sweet, so I guess I'm going to bang the pastelito and, uh, <laughs> and kill the croqueta. All right. All um, right. I respect that. He's, he's got that uh, fit life. He can live without the croqueta right now. Yeah, right? Oh, yeah. The pastelito is not much better. Listen, uh, it's my job to talk about something every time I'm in this platform. So I've recently become – I'm on the board of directors of Pay School for Girls, and I like talking about it. But it's basically a charity that we do that um, we raise money for girls who are in eighth grade to high school who are not in good situations and kind of give them structure and, and an environment that they can learn and, and succeed later in life. And it's something that we're taking a lot of pride in in all my restaurants. All my receipts have – donations for pay school for girls because i got introduced i have a predominantly female management staff i have 33 managers and i believe 31 of them are females um it's something that we all take a lot of pride and um it's something that i always like to share when i'm on these kind of platforms so i just want to throw that out there pay school for girls it's an amazing charity if anybody wants to read more about it no how do That's how do awesome. people find it where do you have a web address where do you send people where do you where, where, where do you want people to go to learn a little bit more about it I mean, I'm, I, I, there's, yeah, there's a website and there's an Instagram as well, but, uh, yeah. Pay, pay school, I mean. P-A-C-E, how do you spell that? P-A-C-E, yeah, school for girls. There's one pay chapter in, all, in every city in Florida or a lot of cities in Florida, but Miami is the one that we deal with. That's good because that, that's another thing is that there's not a lot of women repre- representation in the restaurant industry at the very top, at the very top physical oh, level. There is here in mine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, I, I was doing an email for the pay school the other day and I was including all my front of the house managers. And at that moment, I realized I only had one front of the house manager that was a male. And I had 30, like I said, 31 females. And I never realized I was so unbalanced the other way. And then my hierarchy organization, you know, my marketing, my director of operations, my HR, they're all female as well. So, um, yeah, that's kind of do you have, of a random do you have thing a lot of women in the kitchen? We have two kitchen managers that are female. Wait, we have. The answer is yes, we do, but I'm trying to think how many kitchen managers we have. We have a, I have a, a one-month employee that's been with us for 10 years. She started our first month as a greeter when she was in high school, and now she's running Kush by Spillover, which is a you know, $4 million restaurant that she runs. She's a badass Jen little girl, and uh, she's kick-ass. Um, but, yeah, we do have a lot of females uh, in the kitchen as well. Would you, uh, awesome. you love to see some more – like wouldn't you like to see more Eileen Andrades? In other words, like the face of the restaurants, like the, the Matt Cushers, you know, that are that – because are, I just – and that's not a Miami thing. That's like an industry thing. We just don't see a lot of it. There's not Michelle Bernstein's. There's not – you know what I mean? There's there's five Mango Gang people, but there's one Michelle Bernstein, and, and I feel like – I feel like that's that's a, a, a glaring hole that I, I yeah, just Yeah, well, her name keeps coming up uh, in, in being invited into the Entourage 6 cast. I don't know uh, if we haven't sent a formal invite, but maybe that'll be the way. I think we have, but if we haven't, maybe we'll send a formal invite, and maybe that'll be the, the start that should be the guest spot and then turn into a recurring role and then turn into the star role. I like I'd watch that. that show. I'd, I'd watch that her, show. Then she'll get her own sitcom and then go from there. You know? Yeah, because she's <laughs> – I, I feel like – She'd be a good member. I also uh, Val Chang, who we're hoping to have next week uh, from Itame. Um, we I think she'd be a good cast member too. I've I've seen her out and about, and she's got. Hey, we're open. She's got a. We're smooth, taking. We're, got take, a we're taking. Uh, we're taking memberships. I've invited a lot of people that don't don't want to come. So <laughs> believe me, this is not that. Uh, this is not a group that everybody wants to come with. There's a lot of people. Most people don't want to come. Well, I I, I don't. I'm not even going to ask if anybody's had to have been. Uh, been, uh, had to get bailed out of jail or anything, but oh look, uh, no, Pierre, no, no, no. Pierre put up the address there. Oh, it's nice. www.pacecenter.org.org. So if you if you want to find out more about that organization and how you can help uh, young women um, trying to get out of a difficult situation uh, have a great education, uh, check it out. 
or, yeah, or we're leave, actually, a, uh, leave a tip at the at the Kush restaurants, which you can do. We with are. Um, I'm also partnering with Stiltsville to save old Stiltsville, so we're going to be doing an oh, event next yes. month. Yes. Uh, at the restaurant here, and so we're trying to, you know, just kind of raise funds to save all the last Stiltsville houses. So we're working hand in hand with that organization. We're coming up with shirts and trying to sell and raise funds. But through that event that we're going to do next month, I believe it's uh, the first week of May. Um, we are going to actually they've uh, they've offered to send the girls from Pace School to a day at Stiltsville. So they're actually going to take get a boat, pick up the girls, take them to Stiltsville, and spend the day there. Which you know most Miami people don't get to go to Stiltsville. Stiltsville, sorry, and uh, and they're going to do that, which is just kind of combining both organizations that we're working with, which is really cool. That's fantastic. Stiltsville awesome. is is such like an iconic Miami thing. Basically, for folks that don't know, uh, it's it's these kind of like uh, houses on stilts uh, off of uh, off of Key Biscayne, off the shores of Key Biscayne. There are uh, you know they've been. Florida, I want to say, passed a law where you can't fix them. Like you can be out there, you can own them, but you can't fix them. Uh, and and which is, I think, is a shame because it's such an iconic thing. Um, and certainly, you don't want anybody out there during a hurricane. But like to have those things is, is such an iconic part of South Florida. Like, what are they doing? How are they going to preserve those? Do you have any idea? Or? I mean, yeah, they, I mean, they, they preserve. There's one that's brand new, basically now that it's, it's like all new inside. Um, but they just—it's just upkeep, really, is what it is. Oh, you know? it's just up, You can fix—you can fix them up if you have them. Is, yeah, I mean the ones that are remaining. You know, one burned down, I think, last year, um, yeah. and you know that was that was tragic. But yeah, I think the rule was that if it's destroyed, that you can't rebuild it, but if it's damaged, you can. So like it's they're just kind of grandfathered in because they're now part of the park system, and the the people who are in charge of them are called. Um, not proprietors there's there's a term for it but they're basically like the stewards of the property right and so um like whoever's stewarding those properties has to they're in charge of the upkeep but if a if a hurricane comes and destroys it they're not allowed to rebuild it because by the way going back to, to uh going back to eileen uh she actually won our pato Susi olympics uh last year in hialeah <laughs> so i have to give them credit they were started what? off in last place, and they ended up winning the Pata Sucia Olympics. I don't know how they pulled it off, but they did. What in God's name is a Pata Sucia Olympics? Please tell me. Like, what is that? Into, what are the events? It? What are the events? Wow. You, oh, I thought you guys knew. I'm sorry. Um, basically, it's bobbing for chancletas. Um, <laughs> chancletas for distance and for accuracy, and then like a relay race with a chancleta and like a beer, and you had to chug the beer at the end. It was like Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, Olympics, if you can imagine those uh, that movie, but with the chancleta. I uh, I I love that. I, love I would like to compete that. in this. I, I am very would, competitive, and I, I think feel like you I would could win. Yeah. Oh yeah, last year uh, Lucy Lopez was our um, our guest um, the hostess, host, and then Michael Beltran was our judge, or vice versa, I think actually. Um, and we had a good we had a good group. It was it was a lot of fun. Lucy Lopez is, awesome. is is Hialeah, is South oh, Florida, yeah. man. We love her. She's on the menu. She's on the menu. She's the best. <laughs> we stand Lucy Lopez. Matt Cush, thank you so much for making the time, brother. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks for being on. Any parting shots? Captain, anything else? Yeah, yeah. I got a lot. Captain Cush is uh, birthdays on 420. So that's of the course. start of Miami Beer Week. This year is the first week we're doing Miami Beer Our first year we're doing Miami Beer Week. It's um, Will and Adrian from Union and Tripping Animals kind of started this whole thing. And so we're going to have the kickoff event at Cush on Captain Cush's birthday, unleashing the beer that the entire beer community in Miami uh, collaborated to make, which is uh, super cool because it's, it's, it's long overdue. And, and, and they stepped up and started doing that. So that was really awesome. Um, 
We'll we'll be writing about Miami thing, Beer Week in the coming weeks too. We'll be we'll be writing about what's that. What's that? Well. we'll be writing about Miami Beer Week in the coming weeks too cuz it's it's pretty interesting. Like all 26 yeah, breweries yeah. are are doing something related to it. Everybody was amazing. there. I mean, I didn't see anybody that didn't show up. And then um I got to get mad because you kind of pissed me off with this flan uh the flan thing that we were talking about um because I had been working on this for years that I wanted to annex South Florida from North Florida. And I was looking for my reason to not get too political, but to basically start annexing us as the 51st state in this um, great country of ours. And I was going to use the strawberry shortcake and the key lime pie as the reason that we could be separate from North Florida. And then you started with this flan thing with the uh, totally with ruined the agenda, uh, huh? Enrique and, Santos. Well, I, I just took a detour. I was like, ah, oh, a lot of planning out the window, so I gotta like. But I'm still planning on annexing Captain Kush to make the mayor or the governor of the 51st state of South Florida. And he could be the mayor of Kendall. I'd vote for that guy. <laughs> oh yeah, I'd vote for Listen, that. Listen, I have Captain Kusher mayor posters already made, so <laughs> we can go for there. Oh my God, check check your ballots, folks. It's coming. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I appreciate Matt it. Hope you had a nice good time. to meet you, and good Thank luck with you, your try life. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Take care. Peace out. I could just talk to that guy forever. Captain Kush. Yeah. I, 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 I think our episode will, will need an explicit rating after this one, but you know what? Who cares? Yeah. It's fine. He's the best. Well, I think that's a show, Carlos. That's a show, Amy. So get to, to MiamiHerald.com if you want to look at my uh, restaurant picks. If you care about this dumb croqueta poll about who has the best croqueta Keep on voting. Keep on yeah. refreshing. Keep refreshing those bots. Uh, and until uh, until next week, uh, I'm going to say deuces. <laughs>